Welcome to today's episode, where we discuss a different series every show. On today's docket, we're talking about The Lincoln Lawyer, a series of books and a 2011 film starring Matthew McConaughey that's been adapted into a 10-episode season on Netflix. Specifically, we're looking at episode one of the new series titled He Rides Again. It's May 15th. Let's get into it. So Lincoln Lawyer came out like in 2011. For some reason, I thought it came out in the mid 2000s. But when <laughs> what I realized really quickly was that's why Matthew McConaughey does the Lincoln commercials. I mean, it should be obvious. It should have been obvious to me. I'm pretty sure everyone else knew it. But well, it's not yeah. like he plays Mickey Holler in the commercials. No, he he like mixes his roles because he does a narration similar to that which he does in True Detective. But then. Like that Lincoln persona, I guess, is the thing that the suave, hotshot lawyer is sort of what he's going for in the commercials. The okay. high class. But he doesn't drive the Lincoln in the movie. He drives the com- Lincoln in the commercials. So only in the commercials. He has like a chauffeur for the movie? Yes. The chauffeur's name is Earl, I think. And then in the TV show, his chauffeur's name is Izzy. And Izzy is an ex-client of his. So do you have to see the movie to, like, understand or appreciate the TV show more? No, they're they're kind of different and they're kind of similar. I have a whole list here. But the synopsis of the movie is basically there's this hotshot, successful California-based defense attorney. He knows the system in and out. Uh, he isn't intimidated by anyone. He's divorced. He has a kid. Uh, and then he gets wrapped up defending a monster in disguise. And he owns a Lincoln. Was it good? Uh, yeah, I thought the movie was all right. It had a lot of famous people, a lot more famous people than I expected. It had uh, William H. Macy. It had Michael Pena. It had Matthew McConaughey. It had uh, the lady from Spider-Man, the, the aunt. Oh, Marissa Tomei. Yes, and uh, it did just a ton of other people. Overall, it has like an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. came out. It was a It's a solid wash. Yeah. Wa- watch. <laughs> Not solid wash. Um, the synopsis of the show is a little different. He's a PTSD-stricken ex-opioid addict, California-based attorney. He's gifted with a firm's worth of clients when another lawyer that he knows is murdered in a parking garage. He's now divorced. Again, I'm always talking about Mickey here or Mick. Um, He goes by Mick in the Matthew McConaughey films. He goes by Mickey in – what's this actor's name? Uh, Manuel Garcia Rolfo. And have I seen him before? Uh, no, this is actually his first TV show where he's using his second language because I think he's originally Spanish because he's supposed to be a land descent in this show, right? That's like a big difference. Yeah, he's got an accent. Right, yeah, and this is the first time that he's like, I think, been starring in an American TV show as the main role. Yeah, well, he's been divorced two times now as opposed to one time. He still has a kid um, and she's older. Uh, his biggest client is this rich video game coder who allegedly killed his wife, and he owns several Lincolns now. So they kind of just, like, compounded what he had in the the movie. Yeah, this. so the TV show, the first season, is based off of The Brass Verdict. That was the second book in, a, like, a saga, I guess, of all these different kinds of books. Yeah, they Matthew Connolly, or what, what's his name? Michael, Michael Connolly, yeah. Yeah, they decided to do the second book because they were like, if anyone has seen the movie, then they don't need, we don't need to, like, retread ground that's already been done. But mm-hmm. uh, they are actually more closely related. Well, it's funny because the name of this episode is called He Rides Again. So you talk about retreading ground, it seems like. And, and it kicks off, or sorry, it ends with a cliffhanger that kind of retreads ground as well. Because he's 
driving away with a chauffeur, like you said, um, down just a random street and the chauffeur, as he says, oh, I think um, we're being followed. And that happens in the movie pretty early on. It ends up being a MC, a motorcycle club, um, which he is working. One of his clients is actually one of the people in the club and he asks for money and he gets money from them. Yeah, but again, it, the, the overall story is it's different. different. Yeah. yeah, because in the movie, the main defendant, the Ryan Felipe, He's this uh, kid. Well, he's like 32 or something, and he kills this um, like prostitute, right? And he's supposed to be def- and Mick is supposed to defend him, right? Yeah. Um, in this, we're not supposed to sh- be sure that the um, video game guy has actually murdered his wife. Like he puts together a good sob story about how he would never kill her, um, but then we're also led to believe like if it's going to follow any of the movie's tracks, then he might actually be guilty. So it really is trying to like pull that mystery angle. This is obviously the similarities there are there also in like the dumb stuff like his license plate is not guilty and (laughs) is it nc guilty not guilty yeah and then uh they're still based in california there's still a lot of like california based jokes the thing is is this reminds me kind of of reacher where i remember you said that the tv show alan richardson is playing more closely related to the character there than tom cruise was in the movie it's the same exact thing here because mickey holler is of actual latinx descent in the books he has several ex-wives as you kind of noted um, but only one in the movie. And uh, his addiction in alcohol is le- is not as severe in the movie as it was supposed to be shown here. Well, this is an alcohol addiction. It's opioid addiction, which is quite different. And I actually have a little bit of a problem with it. It falls under my bad category for the TV show because they kind of show him get over it rather quickly. And also in his driver. Yeah, he's already gone through rehab. So what happened was apparently in the show – because it's sort of canon with the movie. This is in the future, and he had a surfing accident. Now, between the two characters, Matthew McConaughey and this other guy, I would expect the Matthew McConaughey version to be the surfer. But apparently it's (laughs) this guy. He has PTSD because he got into an accident, and then he got addicted to opioids, similar to how uh, Michael Keaton got addicted when he went through an accident in Dope Sick, right? Mm. The difference being, in Dope Sick, they portrayed it rather accurately, showing that once you're addicted to opioids, it's nearly impossible to stop. Like, and so the idea that in 18 months, this guy got over it so quickly, it's like Jack Bauer season well, three, yeah. where it took like less than a few hours for him to kick his addiction of heroin. I was and just about to It didn't make any that. sense. But, but um, before we go into like super plot stuff, I just wanted to lightly talk about the other similarities that I saw. Mm. Both versions of Mickey have this like connection universe where he has investigators at hand. He has tech people at hand. Like a whole team. He he greases the – no, he doesn't have them as a team. He just has them as connections. He's able to call them up and get whatever he wants from them. Um, Also, that's kind of like the sleazy California vibe that he is going for him in both versions. His personality here, though, is quite different. Like you pointed out, he's less suave. He's less confident. He's more depressed. He's more humble um, like his his gray line that he's willing to cross, it's it's less in this TV show. So he's more empathetic, I guess. And because- I think that that probably has to do with the fact that this originally was supposed to be on CBS, and then do uh, like back in 2019, there was a spec script ran for it, and and they were going to make it into production, but then because of the coronavirus, the TV series got dropped, and then Netflix ended up picking up the series. It does feel very much like a network drama. Yeah, it's been said that like the first kind of half of the season is uh, is that CBS police procedural kind of. Um, and it feels like it. Yeah, it's, but the yeah. final half is supposed to kind of be where, like, Netflix makes it a little more dark. You mean Netflix came in 
and said, we're greenlighting this show. We're going to let the first well, few episodes run. And then we're going to hire a better writer to come in and really well, kick no, up. Like, I, I'm thinking more about the kind of like Limitless type thing that CBS did, where it was like, if you remember Limitless, when they were advertising it, they were showing it to be Also came out in really, 2011, right? The movie did? The movie did, yeah. I'm, I think the show came out in 2013. But with the show, they at least made it clear that the movie was canon because they had brought in Bradley Cooper right. and the main star of it wasn't the main character. But, like they weren't playing the same but person. But what I'm saying is tone-wise, when they were coming out with like the trailer for yeah, it, it's a they, network were, TV they were showing it to be, well, they were showing it to be like this action type of TV show. But then like by the sixth episode, when that was coming out, they were showing that it kind of had turned into that like kind of Hawaii five o humorous, not Episodic, really. Episodic, yeah, non-serialized thing. Yeah. This is, yeah, I couldn't tell whether or not it was going to be a case by week. It might be a mix because we saw multiple cases play out. Like Izzy's case was like she stole something when she was high and uh, then he was able to like convince the prosecution side because the necklace was fake to like drop the case or whatever. Like we, you remember Psych, that TV show yeah. where like he notices things or, or in house where like they spend a moment where he like just hyper focuses, maybe even in Sherlock. Sherlock, I was just about to say. Yeah, yeah, you have the super smart person like able to just piece things together. That's what he does basically. Um, so they've, they've definitely. When you say he, are you talking about Mickey Holler again? Yeah, the main character. But also in the first scene, it did play out sort of like a Law and Order episode where we see uh, Jerry get mur- – Jerry Vincent, I think is his name. Um, or Vincent – yeah, Jerry Vincent, where uh, the person who gives him all the his firm's worth of clients gets murdered in that parking garage. So we're going to learn about who did that by the end of the season as well. Um, did you recognize where you should know Izzy from? No. My Wife and Kids, the daughter. No, it's like that would have been a long time ago. Yeah, but that was the that was the crazy part about it. I didn't even recognize it was her until I like. You mean was, the daughter who was like five years yeah, old? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, of course, I wouldn't recognize her. Um, yeah. The other thing that was strange about this version of Mickey is that he says that he makes it a practice not to be heard of. He lives next to Hollywood, and his character was California, definitely yeah. like not like that when it was Matthew McConaughey. He was very fine with being known. So this Mickey Holler just seems like he kind of wants to be isolated. Yeah, almost. he's like low-key, and he's also kind of uh, – nothing phases him, but he's also kind of like a, a downer. Like he's just sleepy <laughs> the entire episode so far. But I do have some good stuff that I liked about the episode. First of all, it's not copying the movie. There is this mystery that's going around that's pretty curious. Like he now defends all the clients of Jerry Vincent, and one of those clients killed Jerry Vincent. Could so he's Cisco? going to Cisco is his investigator. You don't know who you're talking about. Cisco is the guy he's working – like, it's his best friend. It's the person who works with Laura. Like, they're Actors getting married. Actors of comic relief and insidious. Yeah. yeah, his name's Angus Sampson. He plays – he's been in Night Flyers. He played in Fargo and No Activity. He's usually playing this really weird guy. I'm really happy to see him playing a good guy here. <laughs> and that, well, that was one of my positives is that he finally – gets a good storyline where he's like marrying someone happy maybe they're just going to kill him off but like yeah he's not a bad guy cisco's a good guy um and there's also elliot's game which uh it's called nocturnal legacy it shows the avatar the avatar is actually uh based off the murder victim um so that's interesting so it's like the black mirror uss callister where they took actual characters and put them where in the game. he based the person that he was he was she was his um inspiration his muse 
uh, I guess is the way he put it. Um, but again, the way that he beat the uncanny valley where he says he just wrote a few lines of code and suddenly they look like they were human. And it, it takes some suspension of disbelief, but it was cool to see. And I'd, I'd be curious to see what they show with the game if they show any more of it. Um, also, the, I like that they aged the kid appropriately, his daughter. Like in the movie, um, she was, I'd say, about five or six years old. Now she's playing like 16 years old. So that Oh, fits. you're saying it actually like tracks along with the time? Yeah. And that's about it for my good stuff. The writing devices were also okay, I'd say. Like um, his clients were kind of mirrors to his own problems. Like one was getting a divorce. One was on drugs as he was on drugs. Um, and so like he was seeing their problems in himself. But now the bad. So... Like I said, this feels like a network drama. It feels like the equalizer bull. And so in that way, it's kind of boring. I wish it was more concrete whether or not stuff was canon. They kind of pick and choose with it. Um, I guess after a couple episodes, I'll stop connecting the Mick and Mickey character from the movie and, and the television show. But it's really hard to do so at the start. I accept the personality shift. Um, but getting over the opioid addiction this quickly doesn't really yeah. like seem plausible. Is he the same deal? Like she was just like, I was a heroin addict like two weeks ago. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what? Um, and then this Jerry Vincent, it's his firm that he had so many clients that he just gave um, Mick all his clients is called Vincent and Associates. But when he goes to the office, which is a pretty big office, there's no one else working for him. And it's called Vincent and Associates. So you'd think that he would have associates other than Mick, who he doesn't even work with. Also, I had a problem with why they threw in another ex-wife. Like in the – and I guess that fits in with the books. Yeah. But when it just – Jump, when they just added her, she felt like fodder. Like later on, they were going to kill one of the ex-wives and they didn't want to do the one that had the daughter. So they just added another one. So you think people are really going to like die in this show? Because you said it with like Cisco's a possibility, his ex-wife now is a possibility. Yeah. I mean, it's not – I don't think the show's light. The first scene we see is a, a murder scene um, and there's a cop who's his best friend. So I think that – yeah, there's someone else is going to die. David E. Kelly is the creator of this. He is really into network television. He's done things like Doogie Howser, Boston Legal, also things like Big Little Lies and Mr. Mercedes, but he worked on Big Sky as well. In fact, Big he, Sky. He even left, yeah. The, uh, With Ryan Felipe. Yeah. Yeah. But he even uh, he stepped away from network television after The Crazy Ones, which was with Robin Williams and Hamish Linklater. It came out in 2013. This was supposed to be his return to network television before Netflix ended up picking it up. But um, this also, when I was doing research for it, reminded me of Warrior, that podcast that we did. Because if you remember correctly, um, and it's the same thing here, Bruce Lee's daughter uh, for that show always felt like networks were trying to come to her for like Bruce Lee's story and just give her money and then they could kind of like get the rights and do whatever they wanted. The reason she decided to work on Warrior was because they came to her with money, but they were also like, hey, we want you to actually work on the show. It's the same thing with Michael Connolly here, the person who wrote the books, where the network came to him and was like, hey, we actually want you to work on the show as well. And we feel like... Um, Michael be- Connolly's a pretty big name. Right, yeah. And, and, but the thing is that he So I feel like that's probably the case with a lot of the movie, shows. though. That's the thing. He, oh, he complimented okay. the movie. He said Matthew McConaughey 
they did a good job and he liked basically everything about it but he said that he didn't really have anything to do with it here they were like yeah we actually want you to work on the show and there was even a possibility that bosch which is a different uh, book and also a different another michael Connelly work right that yeah. got canceled after seven seasons but has a huge fan base that people were like how bosch, did it cancel why didn't it not let's just finish on its own accord you'd think after seven seasons they would i think like, amazon prime just decided to cancel it for, do you think for a show's ever been like given that last season and they're like this is the final season and they're like screw you we're gonna try to make another cliffhanger that's so big you'll bring us back again <laughs> but did bosch ended up not being able to work out they weren't able to get a cameo it's a totally different type of show but also, it's also totally different than warrior like i understand the point you're making but earlier when you were comparing it to the reacher show yeah that i think held true because uh, the writer of that um he i remember said he didn't he didn't hate the movies either even though tom cruise did not fit the mold of reacher <laughs> at all he, he he so just like michael michael connelly doesn't think that uh, matthew mcconaughey fit the role he still didn't dislike the movies. Right, yeah, yeah exactly. Movie. Also, uh, how Michael Connelly got into writing was he w- he told his dad, he was like, hey, I want to like start writing police procedurals type shows. Yeah, he was like dad, 55 years old. Well, no. <laughs> but his dad was like, well, then you should go into journalism. And that's what he did. He went into journalism, and that's how he became an author. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I would compare it. Like I said, the movie, I would compare it to Primal Fear. I would compare... Um, Almost Matthew McConaughey's character a little bit to Better Call Saul because he's mm-hmm. able – he has some hijinxes. His, uh, he's able to get out of stuff in kind of, like I said, that gray territory where he's not afraid to kind of pull some strings. The show I would compare more like Psych, the USA show. Um, and then on Strike, the USA? Yeah. Uh, Strike, the um, kind of the mystery-solving oh, yeah. aspect of it. Royal Pains for sure because that's about a doctor who has to make up for his own mistake and uh, then circumnavigate the weird wills of Hollywood. And, I remember and this that is kind of advertised. like the same thing where, yeah. where it's uh, he's just working it from a different position. Instead of being a doctor, he's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And then Perry Mason also because he's still at, upstanding. Yeah, I saw reviews compare this to Perry Mason as well. Being like also, it's, it's kind of a new take. Yeah, I also had some random feelings about it like – is this the beginning of a lawyer verse? Could we make it like the Cadillac lawyer, the Tesla counselor, or like the Dodge bailiff, and then just like combine them all? It doesn't sound as good now. <laughs> in my, but when I was writing those, I was like, oh, this is great. Um, and then, uh, yeah, there were a lot of hokey jokes in it. So I, I would give it a 6 out of 10. It's too six networky for my taste. I probably won't watch another episode. Um, I has a 78% on Rotten Tomatoes right now and a 7.1 on IMDb. But uh, Is there really that many people who have watched it, though, to, to rate not, it? Not, not like – I think it was around 1,000 views last time I saw yeah. it. When, when he goes to speak to Elliot, because Elliot has to agree to let him be his, like, lawyer, right? Mm. Elliot is upstairs in his, like, not mansion, but, like, this giant building that he owns. And he has a basketball court up there. But there's, like – it has a backboard, clearly. But I would be so afraid – Like, whenever I see a rich person with, like, a basketball court on the top of their roof, right, I would be so afraid of, like, shooting (laughs) because of, like, what if the ball goes over, obviously? I've never never seen uh, on the top of, like, any type of thing a basketball court. Well, he was just shooting free throws. but Yeah, no, I understand. That would be scary if you, like, badly airball. I would want one. I would want one on top of it, but I would then build, like, a giant wall behind it. Yeah. And then the person who plays Elliot, I recognized immediately, but he's gotten old. That's Christopher Gorham. He was in Harper's Island. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in... Main character. Uh, when I looked it up, he was in Ugly Betty. I never saw him in that. But um, he was also in that other show where he played a blind detective, I think, or mm-hmm. something like that. But yeah, he, he aged real quick over the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, and Maggie... But he is like 45. 
Maggie McPherson, uh, played by Nev Campbell from Scream, was cast all the way back in February of 2021. Yeah, she took over the role from, as you said, the person from Spider-Man, who I thought did a fine job in the movie. She's playing the alter ego to him where he's a defense lawyer. She's a prosecutor. She believes that what she's doing is more important because she's sending the criminals to jail while he feels like defending those. Like the whole movie is about his guilt tripping over the fact that he sent an innocent man to prison, which was Michael Pena. And this, he feels that same sort of guilt, but for like a bunch of other reasons, whether it be his drug dependency or like letting down his kid or yeah. So there's, it's, he's always guilt ridden about something. And Becky Newton, who played Morna, worked on Ugly Betty. So I think that's where the connection with, um, everybody's connected to everybody. Yeah. There was it's even, also a bit just about redemption in that case, too, because I'm sure by the end of this 10 episodes, he will have done something to gain his career back in a way that makes him honorable because everybody keeps on mentioning, like, you've taken a lot of time off. And I'm like, 18 months for a lawyer is not too much time, I wouldn't think. Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to compare the show possibly to Hudson and Rex, because if you look at the Jesus, poster, no. <laughs> it is almost inc- it's almost it's identical. Not that hokey. There's a blue background. The main character is staring directly at the poster. I so I, and. Beyond it being uh, a police procedural, I didn't expect there to be much crossover, but I was wondering if there was anything. Hudson uh, and Rex is like Turner and Hooch. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> like those are those go hand in hand. This does. This is again like Sherlock or any of those ones where the main character is just an uber smart guy who everybody um, or most people don't think has got it still, but he does, and he's going to prove him wrong. There was even some controversy um, after A&E Studios filed a lawsuit against Viacom CBS for millions of dollars. Oh, that was another thing. So it's crazy, right? Like, I had to watch the movie on HBO Max, and I had to watch the television show (laughs) on Netflix, and you would think that they would both have the rights to the same thing. Like, you would think that Netflix, even though I know they pulled it in from network CBS drama, which is paramount. It doesn't make any sense. The rights for these things don't follow anyone. Well, it's, yeah, it's weird, especially because, again, the reason why Bosch wasn't able to show up was because of them being competing networks, Amazon Prime. But Bosch shows up in Isn't the Isn't that, books. like, why in The Mandalorian they couldn't do something originally? Like, or, yeah, rights are weird. <laughs> Let everybody use everything. <laughs> Yeah, the, I do it. It would make our jobs. The, I, I need to bring it up. Bosch makes a cameo in the fifth book of uh, The Lincoln Lawyer. That's why people were thinking. I thought you were going to tell me Bosch made a cameo in Hudson and Rex. <laughs> Because that would have made it more connected to what you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So Michael Connelly also did a movie with Clint Eastwood in 2002 that came out. Yes. Michael Connelly, I don't think you realize how famous he is. Like, I've heard of his books before. I think I've probably read a few, too. At some point. But you've never read a Lincoln Lawyer. I've never read a Lincoln Lawyer. I thought the Lincoln Lawyer was a different movie. <laughs> I, I thought that Matthew McConaughey has played a lawyer plenty of times, and I think I watched one where he was defending someone, and then I just assumed it was that. <laughs> okay. I thought it, it had Samuel L. Jackson in it, but maybe not. All right. Well, that's about all I have. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Hope you enjoyed this one. Bye. Bye. Bye.